0: let's get started. Fully persuaded. So, I mean, you know how you just be chilling sometime, and then I won't say God interrupts because heck, my life is his life. So uh, he really, I mean, everything I do is his, but it just kind of talks to you about something. So I was at the gym this morning and while I was at the gym, you know, uh, he started talking to me about Ralph. Are you fully persuaded? Do you really believe that there is no lack? And there is no shortage. And you know how you can say, yes, Lord. And he was like, well, let's walk through that. Let, let's really see. And I found myself uh, understanding that I had mentally assented to some areas, but there was really some areas that I really needed to work on. And I was listening to Pastor Sean's messages from two weeks ago. Um, and she says, when you identify, what do you look at when you see shortage? And so from that question came tonight's message so let's start at john 6 and 36. yeah if you haven't already shared a message and what i can tell you tonight i think the message is going to bless you is bless me uh i encourage you to share it where you have permission to share it tag the partners uh i'm going to do my best to commit to our hour tonight but we're just going to go uh and do what the lord says. all right john 6 36 but even though you have seen me you are not persuaded most scriptures tonight will come out of the mirror translation but even though you have seen me, you are not persuaded. You may be happy with the healings. Uh, and so that's what the scripture says. You may be happy with the healings and, and be entertained by the signs, but still you fail to understand who I am. I'm not here to impress you, Ralph. I'm not here to impress you with, with me. I'm here to persuade you about you your sonship is what I'm all about. And the only way that I can persuade you about you is to take you with me into your death and darkness and overcome your fear and hell and birth you again into the newness of life and my resurrection. And so on my notes, I have in bold, I'm here to persuade you about you. So, so Christ came so that he could persuade us. The Holy Spirit came so that he could persuade us about us. Why is that needed? Because God said in, in the notes of that, it says, I can persuade you about you. is to take you with me into your death. God, You know, it says that we went down with Christ and we were co-raised with Christ you've been around any of the last six Sundays, seven Sundays, you know that we've been co-raised with Christ. He says, the only way I could get you to understand is that I take you with me into death and darkness and overcome your fear and hell. And then he says, and birth you again. You know, we, we are made new, right? We are born again in Christ. We're new creatures. He says, birth you again into the newness of life and my resurrection. So he says, Ralph, I need you to understand that I have come so that you may know the identity that I have for you. I need to persuade you about the you that I created, not about the you you want to be, not about the you that the world told you you could be, not about the you that, that when you went to school and took all of these tests for jobs and identities and personalities, not that you. I need to persuade you about the you that I created, the one that says that I, before I knew you in the womb, I formed you, right? That you. In John 6 and 38, it says this. It says, for I stepped down out of heaven not to make a name for myself. I did not come to make a mere historic hero, uh, to be become a mere historic hero. I have come to communicate the resolve of him who sent me. I am here to demonstrate to you how persuaded my father is about you. Listen, we don't have to. God is persuaded that we are already everything that he has called us to be. So God, Jesus Christ is saying, I am here to demonstrate to you how persuaded my father is about you. He was so persuaded that you'll live out your fullness that he sent his son, Jesus, even though he knew he was living in sin. He was so persuaded that he gave you healing even in the midst of sin. He was so persuaded about you. The Bible says, what is man that die mindful of him, right? god is so persuaded about us but we are not persuaded about him christ came to demonstrate god's love towards us and persuade us of our completeness in him the word is god's attempt to persuade you so we have the logos word the logos is god's word is his attempt to persuade us to convince us and demonstrate for us our reality in him so when we're looking at things in the bible god is trying to get us to understand look Ralph, i'm persuading you look what i did for, for Abraham. Look what I did for Isaac. Look what I did for Jacob. Look what I did for Moses. Look what I did for the widow woman. Look, I am no pre- respecter of persons. I will do the same thing for you. I have never failed. Let my word persuade you that I can be trusted. Let my word persuade you and give your faith confidence. Let my word persuade you that you could become the very thing that i told you can, you could become. Let my word persuade you that there is no lack in there There is no shortage no matter what's going on in the world there is no lack for you and there is no shortage for you because you as a kid of the kingdom have everything that you need fully supplied all you got to do is understand who you are and the completeness that you have in me i have made you the righteousness i didn't give you a choice to choose righteousness i made you the righteousness so that you can approach my throne with confidence knowing that i will give you good things right? He says, if he given us Christ, will he now withhold any good thing from us? Absolutely not. But if we are not fully persuaded that Christ came to do those things on our behalf, if we're not fully persuaded that the word is there to benefit us, then we are indifferent. And we'll talk about what indifference gets us in a second. All right. So it says, You are not trying to become anything. Go ahead and confess that. Say, I'm not trying to become anything. I'm already everything. I'm not trying to become anything. I am already everything. Why? Because when I got born again, the Bible tells me that I was made the righteousness of God. The Bible tells me that all my sins were forgiven. The Bible tells me that I have shifted from out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light the Bible tells me that I am not covered in grace and I'm living under a new law I have everything I need because because here's a trick of the enemy here's a distraction of the enemy he tries to make us think that we have to become something that we have to get something that we have to work on something when in essence God gave you everything when he gave you Jesus. So you're already complete in him. You have everything that you need already. There is nothing that you're lacking, and there's nothing that you're short of. Everything that you need, you have already had, you already have access to. Philippians 2 and 4 says, says it like this to discover your own completeness in Christ frees you to turn your attention away from yourself to others. So many of us are distracted. We'll talk about distractions in a moment. So many of us are distracted. It says in verse five, the way Jesus saw himself is the only valid way to see yourself. I can't see myself through big mama. I can't see myself through grandpa. I can't see myself through my parents. I don't see myself through the lens of my teachers. I don't see myself through the lens of my mentors. I don't even see myself through the lens of self. The only valid way to see myself is the same way Jesus saw himself. Verse 2 and 5 says, the way Jesus saw himself is the only valid way to see yourself. Now, verse 6, it says... His being God's equal in form and likeness was official. His sonship did not steal limelight from his father. Neither did his humanity distract from the deity of God. So Jesus, you got to understand. So I, go ahead and say this, say, I see myself the same way Jesus sees me. I see myself the same way Jesus sees me. The way Jesus saw himself is the only valid way to see yourself. He being God's equal in form. You're like, Raph, I'm God's equal in form. You are a tripartite being, right? You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Your spirit man is 100% just like God. It has the same power of God, it has the same thought process of God. It was there in the beginning when heaven and earth was created. When God was there, we coexisted with God because the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me was present with God from the beginning. So, yes, you are part of. You, your spirit man is 100% just like God. Right? And we gotta understand that our sonship does not steal limelight from the father. Sometimes we 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 get more holy or we make things religious, right? When you go out and do things on the behalf of the father, you're not stealing light from the father. Every time I go out and sow seed, every time I lay hands on the sick and they recover, every time I go, uh I witness or I minister to somebody and their life is made better. You're not stealing limelight from the Father. You're doing the kingdom's work. And sometimes you're like, well, we, we want to play modest and we want to do this. No, your job is to go out to seek and to save those that are lost. Your job is to go out and restore people back to God. Your job is to go out and evangelize. Your job is to go out and be sought in the earth. There is no time for hiding in, in, in the darkness. Isaiah says, arise and shine, right? Right nothing you see shining is dim nothing you see shining is hidden nothing you see shining is wanting to be covered up why bible says arise and shine for your light has come it is our time for us to go out and show how good god is and that won't steal limelight from the father it says neither did his humanity jesus humanity because he was 100 god at the same time he was 100 human right? It says his humanity did not distract from the deity of God. So being a human should not distract from your expression of being 100% like God. I shouldn't let my soul get in the way of my spirit. I shouldn't let my heart's desires get in the way of my spirit. I shouldn't let my mind get in the way of my spirit. But anytime we don't spend time saving our soul, renewing our soul so that it lines up with our spirit, we find ourselves being distracted and causing issue between what God wants to do, the deity of God, and what we want to do, the, de- the, the our own uh, God and ourselves. And so what we got to understand that Jesus, the way that Jesus saw himself, is that he said this, I know I'm 100% human, but I will not allow my humanity to distract from the deity of God. In other words, I will not allow my flesh to cause the kingdom not to manifest. Because it is your flesh that recognizes lack. Your spirit doesn't recognize lack. It is your flesh that recognizes shortage, not your spirit. It is your f- your flesh that recognizes uh, uh, disease, not your spirit. Why? Because your spirit man knows that all of that was taken care of with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Sin was taken care of. And one one act, one lick, one one strike of Jesus' crucifixion took care of sin, it took care of shame, it took care of death all at once. So anything that was part of those things were all taken care of when Christ went to the cross. So sin and all its consequences were taken care of at the cross. Shame, condemnation, unrighteousness were taken care of as a cross. Death outside of the father for those who choose to accept Jesus as their savior was taken care of as a cross. So I don't have to. I don't have to uh, recognize lack. I don't have to recognize shortage. I don't have to recognize disease. I have the power living on inside of me to speak something different. Your soul is the one being convinced of what the spirit already knows. Right. Uh, you 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 are saved. You're being saved. You will be saved. Your soul is continually being renewed. That's why Romans twelve and one talks about renewing your mind. Right? I mean, be not conformed to this world. Right? Because we're continually being renewed. Our mind, our will, our imagination, our emotions, and our intellect are all having to come out of what we have experienced growing up. If you experienced lack growing up, if you, if your parents and your grandparents and all had Very simple lives growing up, you know, all of those things have become a part of who you are because it was a culture in which you you was raised. The way that you saw money come in and out of your life, the way that you you saw people participate in relationships, the way you saw your your mom or your dad or the lack of a mom or a dad, how that interacts, all of those emotions and all of those relationships and all of those encounters have all been shaped upon your subconscious. And whether you understand it or not, they're all guiding your decisions decisions. And so our job as believers is to use the word of God to wipe our subconscious, to rewire our synapses in order to understand things the way that he understands it. That's why we go back to our original scripture that we talked about, right? Philippians 2, 4, and 6, to discover your, I mean, I'm sorry, not Philippians 2, 4, and 6, John 6 and 36. But even though you have seen me, You're not persuaded. How can I have seen God and not be persuaded? Because your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect are always working counterintuitive to what God wants you to do. Unless you're like Jesus, you see yourself only the way Jesus saw himself, who said, I will not allow my humanity to interfere with the deity of God. So every day I must be renewing my mind, every day I must be retraining my imagination, every day I must be taking all of those experiences that I encounter from years, from before, from conception until year 39 and a couple months for me, I got to be working on that, right, because every time That that thought of when you get paid on Friday, because on Fridays when my mom and them got paid, that was the time we got to go out to eat. So before you know it, on Fridays, you're going out to eat and you wonder, wow, why why every Friday I'm going out to eat? Why? Because subconsciously your upbringing has shaped the way that money flows out of your life. And so that's why you're doing it. Your mama was in debt. Your daddy was in debt. Now you're in debt. What you won't do is allow the word of God to reshape your imagination, to reframe, to rework, to uh to take away the wickedness that's in your thinking from upbringing so that you can be complete in him. That's why the Bible says, you have seen me, but you're not persuaded because you don't spend enough time. You don't take God serious at his word to use the word to retrain the way your soul operates. So this is what happens. Your soul is the one being convinced of what the spirit already knows. Your soul is the one being convinced. Your spirit already knows that there's no lack. Your spirit already knows that there's no shortage. Your spirit already knows that if gas gets to $6 a gallon, that there is no shortage, there's no lack in the kingdom. Your spirit man already knows if interest rates on houses get to 10% and God told you that this was a year for you to have a house that nothing in this earth could stop you from receiving the victory of obtaining a house except your own humility cuz you chose not to believe God. Cuz you chose not to to take God serious because you chose to allow your humanity to distract from the deity of God where are you looking when it looks like it isn't enough where do you put your focus when you look like there's not enough what do you spend your time thinking about when you think that there's not enough the same way Elisha's servant went and saw the army round about them and was all in fear. In 2 Kings sixteen six, the same way he went to that door and thought that they were going to be attacked and they were going to be overrun and that they were going to die that day, Elisha said, God, open his eyes so that he may see. In other words, he said, God, Help my servant's soul to get up out of the way of what his spirit knows to be true. Help my servant's soul, his mind, his will, his emotions, his imagination, and his intellect align with what the spirit already knows. Father, let my... Let my servant understand, lest at any time he sees, he hears that he should be converted. Let him see, Lord. And when he opened his eyes, he saw great armies of God surrounding the other armies. Why? Because so many times our humanity distracts us from seeing the abundance that God has for us so that all we see is shortage. Say, I refuse to be distracted. Courtney Burns, that's exactly right. Your spirit knows what's up. Your spirit knows what That's actually in my notes. Your spirit knows what's up. Your spirit man understands that, hey, there's nothing that the kingdom doesn't have. There's nothing that Ralph could ever ask for that this kingdom has not already provided. Not will provide, not working on providing, not creating, already done. And see, some of us mentally assent to understanding, right? But here's the key, pa- Pastor Sean, I love Pastor John's teaching. Your body don't lie. When you got that bill, you started sweating. When you when you got that diagnosis, you you got a headache and you feel like it was gonna pass out. Your body was indicating to you the true thing that you believe your soul was sending signals to your body on what your most dominant belief is. That's why when you, when, when, in your relationships, when when, when you, you feel a certain way because you don't feel confident about your marriage, you don't feel at peace about it because, I mean, your body's telling on you. Your body is always going to tell you what you believe the most. Because when you operate by the Spirit, then there's some things that we're gonna get called the fruit of the spirit, right? There are some benefits to that. But when we're not operating by the spirit, then your body is going to give you all the signs of of what you're operating on, right? Regardless of your, your mental ascent, because your body understands that you can't fake faith. Your body understands that you cannot fake faith. And heaven understands that you can't fake faith. Faith cannot be faked. Now, you can fool us and make us think you're single while you're out there sleeping with everybody. You can fool us and make us think that you're drug-free while you you snipping the powder, you smoking the devil's lettuce, right? Are you taking prescription pills that ain't yours? You can fool us by attending church and greeting and, and singing on the praise scene. You can fool us even from preaching from the pulpit. But the one thing you can't do is fake faith. You will always receive that thing that you believe the most. And that's why people, you, you get upset because you're attending church. But but just because you're attending church doesn't mean that, that you are a Christian. Just because you're attending church doesn't mean that you are in faith. I walk in my garage every day, but it doesn't make me a car. Because we got to understand that, hey, attendance does not. I, I was a math teacher. I guess still am a math teacher. I had 30 kids in my class. What I could tell you about the 30 kids? Some made A's, some made B's, some made C's, D's, and F's. Attendance alone didn't produce the outcome. There had to be some work involved. There had to be some work involved. Attendance alone doesn't produce an outcome. There has to be some work involved. In our flesh, we have labeled fear. Let me keep going so we can finish. In our flesh, we have labeled fear as being good stewardship, right? We have labeled disobedience as wisdom and caution. And I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? I was at the gym and, and, and I was it was leg day, so I was already tired. I'm like, okay, God, what, what are we talking about? This is what he told me. And then I'll go back and talk about it. Let me, I'll put this quote up there. God doesn't need us to be cautious with his money. He needs us to be obedient. God doesn't need us to be cautious with his money. He needs us to be obedient. He's like, we label fear as being good stewards. Why? Because you are like, well, you know, every time sister so-and-so get into a situation, then she always needing money. You know, she ain't doing what she's supposed to do. So you know what? I'm not going to sow into her this time. Well, well, what did the Lord say do? What did the Lord say do? Did the Lord say not sow into her? Did the Lord say not sow into that organization? Just because you feel a certain way about it? And you call it good stewardship? You like, well, let me set up this budget for the house, right? Let me set up this budget. You go see a financial advisor. They tell you you don't need to be giving all that money. So you budget to God. You budget your offering. You budget your seed, and you, you label that as good stewardship. But that's actually fear, and that's actually interfering with the deity of God through your humanity, through your flesh. And you label disobedience to God as wisdom and caution. But God doesn't need us to be cautious with his money. He needs us to be obedient man, that slapped me in the face this morning. He's like, Ralph, I don't need you to be cautious. I don't need you to look up seven different quotes. If I tell you to go with the first business, go with the first business. You don't need two or three more quotes before you make a choice. I've already told you what to do. If I tell you to go on vacation, don't consider how much it costs. Just choose to go on a vacation because a lot of times, We label stewardship as saying, okay, God, I can't do this. I can't buy that expensive of a car, or I can't buy this expensive of a house, or I can't go splurge. Like the Lord told me today, go get a Medicare because he's working on it. And so at lunch, on my lunch break, I went and got a Medicare. He says, look, part of you being in the kingdom is being pampered because every good father wants to take care of his kids and I'm not a bare minimum type father he says as earthly father if you give good gifts to your kids how much more right so God's like understand that as a as, as a king as a as a son of a king then it's okay to have more than enough it's okay to have excess it's okay for people to call you spoiled. It's okay for people to say that's too much. It's okay. People are going to say whatever they're going to say, but I love somebody's post that day. I don't remember. I think, gosh, I forget her name, but she said, basically, if they don't got holes in their hand and prints of thorns on their head, their opinions really don't matter anyway. At the end of the day, if God do whatever God says, and so if God says you can go on a vacation and you and, and spend three five seven thousand dollars and you got three five seven thousand dollars in your account if god said it then you don't got to be cautious with the money but what fear has us doing is missing out on blessings. Well, we have the blessing. Missing out on the tangible outcome of the blessing because we choose to be coward. We choose to be cautious, and we choose not to. We choose to live in the confines of what we feel like society or our family says is enough. Right? You want to live just above, but not in excess. You want to. Oh, uh, that was Miss. That's who it was. It was uh, uh, Coonfield. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah, if you don't have nail-scarred hands or thorn marks in their foreheads, pay them no mind. I love that. Um, but that's the thing. And kids get this, right? Aiden, I've, I've sent Aiden in the store like one time. He's not really old enough to do that. But uh, but my other boys, Jerome and Lerone, they're older. So I sent them in. And, and when you send a kid in the store to buy something, right? I send him in the store with a 20. And I say, go get a bag of chips, right? When I send them in the store to get the bag of chips, they see something for themselves. They may call me, come call me, and be like, hey dad, can I get this too? And I'm like, I don't care. Why? Because kids understand that it ain't their money to spend anyway. I'm spending somebody else's money. So all I gotta do is ask the person who gave me the money, can I spend it? So many times we choose not to ask God. Because we feel like it's too much. We choose not to ask God because we don't want to be inconvenient. But then the other side of those people is that you don't choose to act, God, you don't allow God to participate in your daily sowing. You want God, excuse me, you want God to favor you every day, but you don't favor man every day. You want God to, to, you want to harvest every day, but you don't sow every day, right? That doesn't even make sense. We got to understand that God is all about multiplication. Think about the story of talents. The person that he gave more to was the person that took the money. It wasn't the person that was cautious with it. It was the person that went and multiplied it, right? So God, that's why God tells us that he'll give us the power to give wealth. He'll teach us how to get wealth. He's going to give us witty inventions. He's going to give us business ideas. He's going to give us different things to get wealth. It's not just going to, it's not most likely, it's not going to be a bag, a million dollars thrown onto your porch and that's how you get wealthy, right? That's that's likely not, but it's going to be some strategies, some tools, some pathways, some seemingly small instructions that's going to establish your wealth for the next seven to 10 years. That's what Pastor Un said in the prophecy, right? And so, God doesn't need us to be cautious with His money. What He needs us to be is obedient. Why? Because there is no shortage and there is no lack. But if you're not fully persuaded, you will always be cautious in operating disobedience. This is what we got to realize. First Corinthians ten twenty-two. God is not in a tug of war with demons or our obsession with r- religious r- rituals. He has no competition. He is, I am. God is not in a tug of war with demons or our obsession with religious rituals. He has no competition. He is, I am. Verse 23 says, everything is endorsed in I am. Everything originates and concludes in I am. Now that the prophetic picture is completed in Christ, Jewish rituals can no longer be accommodated. So go ahead and declare this. Make this declaration. I am not in a tug of war, and I have no competition. I am not in a tug of war, and I have no competition. You Listen, debt isn't a competition. Sickness isn't a competition. You're not in a tug of war with your health those things are already victorious. You already got victory over those things. Shortage and lack, those are not things that are coming that you should be tugging a war in. There should be going back and forth and back and forth. In one minute, you're prosperous. In one minute, you're in debt. In one minute, your mind is whole. and the next minute, you're contemplating suicide. In one minute, your, your marriage is good. In the next minute, you want to kill your spouse. In one minute, you love your job. In the next minute, you want to find a new job. And now, you love the city you're in, and now you're unsatisfied. Why? You're not in a tug of war. There can be peace everywhere I go. Somebody should make that confession. There is peace everywhere I go. There is peace everywhere I go. Why? Because everywhere I go is under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Just like Jesus, right? He said that that we should see ourselves. The only, that we should see ourselves. The same way that Jesus saw himself. He did not allow his humanity to distract from the deity of God. There is peace everywhere I go. It doesn't matter the job I have. There, if it was, if it was turmoil and chaos on a job, when I showed up, peace showed up. If it was turmoil and chaos the in the in the house, when I showed up, peace showed up. Everywhere I go, peace follows me. Why? Because that's a byproduct of the fruit of the spirit. Everywhere I go, peace shows up. Everywhere I go, solutions show up. Everywhere I go, provision shows up. Wow, because I'm an ambassador of a kingdom, and the kingdom in which I serve, the kingdom in which I belong, has everything the earth needs. The earth is just an earnest manifestation, earnest expectation for the manifestations of the sons of God. Will you be that son that manifests? Will you be that son that grows up? Will you be that son that's fully persuaded and refuses to be distracted by his flesh, distracted by her soul, distracted by the will, the emotions, the imaginations, and the intellect? Why? Because you don't have any competition. Go to first Corinthians 15 and 57. Let, let, I'm gonna let the Bible talk to y'all. Go to 1, 1 Corinthians 15, and 57. What does that say? Y'all can read. Your victory is not a maybe. Go ahead and type that. My victory is not a maybe. Because of the magnanimous, I put the I, I defined it for some who may not know, generous or forgiving. Your victory is not a maybe because of the magnanimous, generous or forgiving. Doing of Jesus Christ, it is a given. My victory is not a maybe. My victory is a given. Lack doesn't show up in my life. My victory is not a maybe. It's a given. Prosperity is not a maybe. It's a given. Debt freedom is not a maybe. It's a given. Peace of mind is not a maybe. It's a given. Joy is not a maybe. It's a given. Who is it given to? To the man that's fully persuaded. To the man that's not distracted by his flesh. To the man that checks his soul and calls it to align with the word of God. Pastor Evan told us that agreement, right? Alignment, right? And acceleration was the first thing he told us. But then he told us agreement and alignment. Man, why did I just go blank? Advancement, right? So we're done with accelerating. We're being advanced. Just like the prodigal son left and Pastor Sean talked about this on Sunday. Just how he left and he squandered the thing that his father gave him. When he came back, he didn't come back and have to be a servant. He didn't come back and have to work his way up. He came back and he was advanced back to the place he should have been had he never left. And so that's what happens when we align our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and our intellect with the word of God. It causes us to be advanced back. So when we come into the revelation that we are complete in Christ, when we come into the revelation that we have been co-raised with him, when we come into the revelation that we do not allow, the annoy- that we do not allow our indifferent mindset to cause annoyances to show up in our life, we understand that victory is not a maybe but it's a given because of Jesus Christ. My victory is not a maybe, it's a given. The enemy, let me help you. The enemy is not competition. The enemy is just a distraction. One who prevents you from giving your full attention to your completeness in Christ. The enemy is only a distraction. He has no power over you unless you give it to him. The enemy is like like that candy that stores put up uh, at the aisle when you get ready to check out, right? You got kids, right? If you, I got I got three little kids, five, seven, and nine. We're almost five, seven, and nine. The enemy is like that candy. When I walk in there and I say, "Look, we ain't buying nothing outside of the things that's on our list. We ain't getting no candy today, no toys today, right?" And so the enemy. For them, and you know, if you ever been one of these parents, you don't told them. Don't you even ask for nothing, right? Uh, When you go in the store, and so the enemy to those kids is like that candy right there to check out, right? It's setting them up. You almost to the finish line. You done made it through the whole store. You ain't asked. You didn't ask you that. You you done followed directions. You done done well. You done made it down the meat aisle, the veggie aisle, the chip aisle, everything. They ain't asked for nothing, right? They are are fully focused on what their father asked them to do. And then right before it's time to check out, Right before the finish line, they they see the thing that they crave the most is sugar. Whatever it is for you, it could be it could be cake, it could be that man, it could be that woman, it could be that job, it could be that city, it could be whatever. Right there at that end cap, right before you check out, there are distractions. That's the enemy's way to get you to stop. Focusing, or not to focus on your completeness in Christ, and to throw down right before the finish line, right before you inherit the things of God, He wants to distract you, so that you don't, that so that you can get into a tug of war, so that you can feel like there's competition, so that you can feel like there's defeat, so that you can feel like you can't make it. His job is to distract, but He has no fi- power over you because why? My victory is not a maybe, it's a given. Now, let's go back real quick to uh, verse 23. It says, everything is endorsed in I am. Everything originates and concludes in I am. Right? Let's talk about that word endorse. That word endorse means declare one's public approval or support of. I love the second definition. It says to sign a check or bill of exchange on the back to make it payable to someone other than the stated payee or to accept responsibility for paying for it. So Jesus says this, everything is endorsed. Hallelujah. Everything is endorsed in I am. Everything originates and concludes in I am. Christ has already endorsed all that you will ever need. Christ has already endorsed everything you will ever need. Everything that was provided to him, he has signed it over to you. Christ has endorsed everything you will ever need. What are you saying, Ralph? I am saying that everything that belongs to Christ, he has signed it over to you. Everything that he inherited, he has signed it over to you. He said, you know what? All of this wealth in heaven, I am signing a check for Jamie. I am signing a check for Chris. I am signing a check for Edwin. I am signing a check for uh Miss Coonfield. I am signing a check for Chandra. I am signing this over and I'll pay for it on their behalf. It says he has endorsed everything, and then everything originates and concludes in I am. Now let's go to first Colossians 2. As we connect these, it says we are complete in him. You should know this. Jesus mirrors our wholeness and endorses our true identity. He has already signed off on the real you. I know it's taking you some time to understand who the real you is. Jesus has already signed off on you. He's already taken responsibility for paying for you. He's already taken responsibility for that. He has already said, look, this one belongs to me. He endorses our true identity. He is, I am, in us. So everything is endorsed in I am. Everything originates and concludes in I am. He is, I am, in us. So go ahead and declare this. If Christ qualifies, so do I if christ qualifies so do i christ christ qualified so do i if christ qualifies so do i why because he's endorsed everything he is i am and i am lives in me And because I am lives in me, then everything that I am qualifies, I qualify for, because I am in, I am. So if Christ qualifies, so do I. His blood covers me, so I qualifies. Well, Ralph, you sinned back then, but his blood qualifies and he has made me righteous. He has made me right with God. God does not see any wrongdoing that I have done, am doing, or will do because Christ has covered me. What wrongdoing and sin does is distracts you from your completeness in Christ because it brings shame, it brings condemnation, it brings rebellion, it brings uh, uh, indignity, it brings all of those things. Your sin separates you from God because your mindset, your soul, your will, your emotion, your imagination, your intellect all have to participate in order for you to sin. And so if my soul is aligning with sinning, then it's not aligning with my spirit and it's pulling me away from God. God isn't moving. You are moving because your soul is aligning with your flesh and your humanity is interfering with the deity of God. So that's why I can say there is no lack and there is no shortage. The only reason we experience lack, the only reason we experience shortage, because yes, there is sin in the earth, but because we can overcome that, right? So the reason that we're seeing a lot of those things is because we are allowing our humanity to get into the way of our deity. Lord, we're at page two. All right, let's keep going. You walk around with the very ability to create what you need and you refuse to release I am we walk around with the ability to create because that's what it says everything originates and concludes in i am so i have the right with my voice oh that's good i have a right with my words to both create and to end because i am lives in me it says everything originates right the origin the start all right of something and the conclusion of a thing It's all in I am. And the Bible says he is, I am in us. So I am and you are walking around with the very ability to create whatever you need and you refuse to release it because of your own stubborn unbelief. You are distracted by the enemy and or your own desires. Honestly, isn't it crazy that we do not agree with God about us? We refuse to agree with God about us. God says you're wealthy. You're like, oh, God, no, I am. I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. God God says you're the healer of the Lord. By my stripes you're healed. Oh, they said I got cancer. They said I got diabetes. They said I got blood pressure. Lord, what i am going to do? I said you're healed. Our own stubborn unbelief causes us not to inherit the thing that God has told us that we can have. We are distracted by the enemy of your own desires. What do you mean that you're going to be healed of cancer? I know such and such and such and such and such and such person has died of that. What do you mean that 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 everybody in your family had diabetes, but you're going to overcome it? When, blah, 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 blah. Which one will you believe? Are you going to believe the I am that originates and concludes? So even though it was a generational curse in your life, because i am lives in me and i am has the ability to originate conclude i declare that this this sickness right here it concludes it's ending i declare that this this diagnosis concludes it is ending by his stripes i'm healed i declare that even as my soul prospers, even i prosper even as my soul prospers i declare that everything is lining up on my behalf why because the great i am living on the inside of me gives me the ability to both to originate to create and to conclude a thing let's look at romans 1 and 18 you're like ralph are you saying it's me yeah i am i'm saying that our thinking gets in the way i'm saying us entertaining the distractions of the enemy gets in the way Romans 1 and 18 says this, God is not standing neutral to mankind's indifference. This revelation of God's belief in our redeemed righteousness is at the same time an unveiling of God's passionate desire from a heavenly perspective towards a humanity who seemed to have lost touch with the romance of their devotion by suppressing the truth about themselves. Suppressing the truth. Who's suppressing the truth? We have chose to get out of romance of our devotion with God and suppress the truth about our own selves. We have forgotten the delicate art to adore and be adored. It says, while they continue to hold on to an inferior reference of themselves by being out of sync with their true likeness. (coughs) Excuse me. So Ralph, what are you saying? Your indifference causes us, that last part, leave that there, causes us to continue to hold on to an inferior reference of themselves by being out of sync with their true likeness. When we choose to forget the delicate art to adore and to be adored, when we choose to lose touch with the romance of our devotion to God, when we choose to have an indifferent mindset, it causes us to be out of sync with our true, with our true likeness. What true likeness? In the beginning, God created man, and his what? What did God create man in? In his what? In his likeness. You were created in the likeness of God. But when you hold on to an inferior, inferior reference of yourself, you get out of sync with your true likeness. Now we're we're we're. we're We're pressed on time. But if you go over to Genesis, it tells you that God made us in his His image, in his likeness. But every time we choose to be indifferent, every time we choose to make decisions based on our soul, every time we choose to allow our humanity to interfere with the deity of God, we choose to get out of sync with our likeness when we choose to deny our completeness that has already been finished in Christ every time why they continue to hold on why are we holding on to an inferior inferior reference because we are distracted we're distracted by the fact that we were poor growing up and we saw money going in and the money going out and so we're we're not we haven't haven't renewed our minds on the god's way of moving money we're distracted an inferior reference of how we're relationships. We're distracted by the fact that we were divorced and now we're not sure if we could trust any man or any woman again. It distracts us. It's an inferior reference. Why? Because if we really trusted God, we have no concern. Why? Because the great I am is the one who originates and the one that concludes. The great I am is the one that can create and the one that can destroy. The great I am has all ability. So if he says, and the great I am is omniscient. He knows all things so if he says that boo is the one boo is the one i don't care if boo looks like the person you divorced i don't care if boo looks like the person that harassed you before i don't care what boo looks like you gotta trust god more than you trust your inferior references you gotta tr- i don't care how many times your money has gotten to a point where are you winning the bank and you saw something uh, and God has told you to get a house. And every time you go to the bank, they said no. So every time you go look at their credit card, credit score you allow that to determine your eligibility baby god calling you is all the eligibility that you need god saying it was yours with all the eligibility that you needed you don't need a credit score being 800 being 700 being 500 being 400 being 300 all you need is a yes from god that's what qualifies you but anytime we Uh, Consider anything other than the word of God It is an inference reference That pulls us out of sync Of our true likeness And then You know what Colossians 1, 21, 23 says Your indifferent mindset Alienated you from God Into a lifestyle of annoyances And hardships and labors Yes, he has now fully reconciled and restored you To your original design, right? We know that, we've been taught that Week after week after week And so what we got to understand is that mental assent to concern, mental assent will not free us. You cannot fake faith. But how do you know you're indifferent? Your body tells you. How do you know you're indifferent? You hear the Holy Spirit and you don't answer. How do you know you're indifferent? Because you spend more time on social media than you do in the Word. You choose social media over uh, the Word. You got a headache. Instead of dealing with the headache and getting in the Word and confessing the Word, you'd rather get on social media and escape from it. You you choose entertainment over prayer, you choose stunt your stomach over fasting, you choose satisfaction of your flesh over discipline, you feel little to no remorse about being disobedient. Why? Because you become indifferent. And indifference pulls you away from being in sync with the likeness in which God has created you. All right. Uh we had seven minutes, so we'll keep we'll keep going. It says, Many have grown comfortable. All right, this is what the Lord told me this morning. Uh, And I don't know who this applies to, uh, but I'm gonna read it uh, because I, I, I saw myself in it too. Many have grown comfortable on the backs of others' labor and have not matured to labor for themselves. Many have grown comfortable on the backs of other people's labor and have not matured to labor for themselves. Many people are living lives based on the prayers of parents and grandparents. You have experienced breakthrough and progress, but this was based on God's commitment to your ancestors and not necessarily to you. So now you find yourself in a position where you experience lots of torment, turmoil, turmoil, and issues. And you're asking yourself, why? Because the life you're living is a life that your grandpa, your grandmama prayed pray for you. The life you're living is a life that, hold on just a second. The life you're living is the life that 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 your, your grandpa prayed for you, the life that your mama spent uh, hours and days of her life on her knees praying for you. That's the life. Because this is the thing, and you get to a point where you're like, Lord, I thank you for this. Lord, I, I appreciate this. And, and you're wondering why you're struggling. This is why. Sustaining a position of faith for complete manifestation is the job of the person who inherits. You could be prayed into a position, right? Your grandma could pray for protection, could pray for you to have a good marriage, could pray for you to get a good job, could pray for all that. And God could have heard her faith, right? Recognized her faith and did that on your behalf. But now you find yourself in a position where you are benefiting from the faith of other people, but you cannot sustain a position of faith without faith. You cannot sustain a position of faith without faith. A true inheritor knows that the possession of the inheritance was paid by somebody. Therefore, the sustaining and growth of that possession will require something from them. Listen, if I... If I left an inheritance to Aiden's, uh, I lived a good life, I built a business and the business went really well and I left my kids millions of dollars. That's an inheritance, right? But whether that inheritance will be sustained and they will be able to benefit from that will be based on what they do with that inheritance. So my hard work got them to a place where they were without need. Praise God, but their own faith will keep them in a place where they're without need. Jesus got us to a place where we are without need, but our faith will keep us in a place where we lack nothing. Because when Jesus sent out the disciples he says hey when i sent y'all out without purse or script when i sent y'all out without money when i asked you to go and make disciples all over the when i asked you to do all that did you lack anything And they said father we lack nothing jesus has already established everything that you need as you walk out his purpose in the earth he has everything that you need i love that now that you have a baton what will you do next what would your legacy be? Jesus, like, check this out. God called, the word became incarnate. It became flesh, right? God says, I'm gonna wrap my word up and I'm gonna make it flesh. And, and, and God sent Jesus, right? He was the word in the flesh. G, the Bible says that even though Jesus became human, he remained human. Why? Through his faith. So even Jesus, who became human, had to choose to remain human. Because Jesus could have said, I'm done with this. Why? But he was persuaded by his love for mankind. So he decided to stay in flesh. I love that scripture. It's over in Philippians, I think, uh, Philippians 4, 6, uh, or, or 2, uh, 6. Uh, but anyway, it says, after becoming human, he remained human. Why? Because Jesus understood that, hey, now that I am here, I have inherited something. Now I got to do my part. I can't let my flesh get in the way of what God has started. I can't let my flesh get in the way of what the Father started. I got the baton. What will I do with it? And he took it all the way to the cross. And after he took it to the cross, now we got the baton. What will we do with it? Abraham, you got to understand this. Abraham being called a father didn't make him a father. Just because God called Abraham, he changed his name, he called him a father. That did not make Abraham a father in the natural. Abraham had to have sex with Sarah. That's what made him a father. Now, the word gave him the ability to do. See, so many believers like, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm debt free. I'm the favorite. God's favor goes before me. I owe no man nothing but the love, of him." right? The word gives you the ability, the same way the word gave Abraham the ability to be the father of many nations. But if he had never had relations with Sarah, we would not hear about Isaac. So the word gives you your completeness. Your faith manifests that completeness. Are you obeying God? The Bible says that Abraham considered not his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Ralph considered not the prices of gas or the prices of the interest on home loans. Right? Abraham being called a father didn't make him a father. Having relations with his wife made him a father. Your faith must have corresponding action. the word gives you the ability it is your job to exercise that ability it's my job to exercise that ability god says that i could be debt free i need to exercise that ability that's why i can have no lack and no shortage Mm -hmm. but when a man is not fully persuaded he won't exercise his ability he would do the thing that he believes that bring him wealth. That's why you go to work every day when you don't feel like it, but you won't read your word when you don't feel like it. That's why you go to work when you're sick, but you won't read your word when you're sick. Why? Because you have more faith in your job than you do the word of God to change your life. You're indifferent. Your indifferent mindset is bringing annoyances to your life. Your indifferent mindset, right? is alienating you from God into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardships, and labors. I even throw in their grievances, right? Things you were never supposed to experience. Your indifferent mindset sets you up for those. Your indifferent mindset sets you up for those. So as we wrap up, Romans 4 and 20. While he had every reason to doubt the promise, he did not hesitate for a moment, but instead, empowered by faith confidence, he continued to communicate to God's opinion. I love how God set him up. You got to understand, what you saying every day? God changed Abraham's and Sarah's name. Abraham, uh uh he changed your name to Mother of Nations, right? Father of many. He changed your name. Every time Sarah called Abraham, she was confessing what the word said about him. What you confessing? What's coming out of your mouth every day? What are you putting on every day? Are you putting on doubt? Are you putting on faith? Are you saying what, what God told you to say? Are you are you aligning all right your faith with God or are you being indifferent? Because this, if you're salad, it's indifference. And I'll be honest, it's, it's been times I've been indifferent. And so I had to check myself. And I'm like, Lord, you know what? I have been indifferent. I have not confessed your word. I have not confessed your reality. You know what I'm talking about. If you go to those seven things, uh, it says you got to see yourself co ways or Christ. Ponder with persuasion the consequences of our inclusion with him. So in other words, am I confessing on a daily basis the consequences of my co-inclusion with Christ? Am I saying that I am completing him and through completing in him, I have the ability to both originate and conclude things. And so anything that I confess in the earth Is it backed by heaven? Am I confessing that? Am I confessing that my marriage is whole? Am I confessing that my children are obedient? Am I confessing that I'm doing this? And then not only confessing, what are my actions saying? Am I exercising my ability given to me by God? Man, the trolls are real tonight. Uh, Am I exercising my ability to do what God told me to do. And here's the thing: I got, I, I love this statement in the mirror translation. It talks about Abraham was not a, was a familiar name, right? It was an odd name. And he was like, I don't care. Abraham didn't get, get embarrassed, embarrassed, either. Some of you are like you quit on God. Because God told you you could have something, you told somebody you was gonna get it. And they're like, I thought you said you was moving in the house. I thought you said your marriage is gonna work out. I thought you said you was gonna make six digits. I thought you said you're gonna be debt free. And just because it hasn't happened in the earth, you've gotten embarrassed or ashamed of the good good gospel of christ you've got you got you're allowed you have considered something contrary to your completeness of, of god and you're becoming different because you stop confessing the thing that god has told you to confess some of you just need to go back where you left off because god still i mean the promise of god hasn't changed you need to confess what god told you can have every day you need to be making those confessions i thank you lord i i, I have my confession up here every day I look up and I read it a couple times throughout the day. That the prophecy for the year. Why? Because I want to keep that before my eyes. Why? Because it's important to retrain my soul, my mind, my will. My imagination, my intellect. When God told me that this was my year, he understood what gas prices would be. He understood that interest rates would go up. He understood that we may go into a recession. He understood all those things before that word ever came. So I don't have to be discouraged or dismayed. All I have to do is exercise my ability. What's my ability? To stay focused on the word. Same like same thing Abraham did what was his ability. His ability was to be confident in the word of God and go in and have relations with his wife. And he kept doing it until Isaac showing up showed up. I encourage you tonight. Keep doing it till your provision showing up shows up. Whatever it is that God told you to do, starting the business, go back and do it again. Applying for the job, go back and do it again. Fasting, go back and do it again. I don't, if He told you to fast three days and you made it to noon, go back and do it again till you get to a whole day if you screw up go back and do it again till you get to a day and a half if you screw up go back and do it until you get to two days but don't you give up and be distracted by that end cap of those sweets of those things that that cause you to lust are those things that caused you to, to get your eyes off your completeness in God. Don't you be distracted at the end. Don't get distracted by the no. Don't get distracted by the promotion that didn't give you enough money. Don't get distracted by your spouse not lining up with what you know your marriage should be. Focus on you focus on the word. Don't get distracted by the behavior of your kids. You keep confessing what you what you know the word said about your kids. Don't get distracted by gas prices. They are only a distraction, baby. In the kingdom, you already have more than enough. In the kingdom, you've already fully supplied. In the kingdom, there is no lack, there is no shortage. In the kingdom, you are always with. In the kingdom, if Jesus qualified, so do you. Don't get distracted. And that's how you live a fully persuaded life. You refuse to get distracted. You, you, you see yourself co-raised with Christ. You see yourself relocating mentally by engaging your thoughts with throne room realities. You avoid being distracted. you like, I've heard these before. You're right. They're the same ones that Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean gave for how to live the resurrected life. Why? Because understanding the resurrected life causes you to understand that you're the righteousness of God that causes you to understand that you have been made complete in him that causes you to be Fully persuaded, knowing that everything I ask for, I receive because I take God serious. So that's the word for the night. Don't you get distracted. I don't care what you see, don't you get distracted just like Abraham. Don't consider the deadness of uh, uh, of Sarah's womb and the age of him. Don't you consider the gas prices? Don't you consider interest rates? Don't you consider the stock market? Don't you consider losses in investments? Don't you consider, don't you be distracted? This is still your year. This is still your year. This is still seven to one. God is repaying if you just don't get distracted. God is accelerating. He's advancing you back if you just don't get distracted. There are things that in your heart that you know you won't, and you have just let them go because you thought they were just too in excess. Go pick them up. God wants you to have them. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted because nobody else in your family ever made $100,000. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted because nobody else in your family has ever been a millionaire. He wants you to do it. Why? Because he is the great I am that originates and concludes. He is saying poverty in this family needs to conclude and millionaire status in this family needs to be picked up. He's just looking for a man to believe him. He is just looking for a man to say, I will arise and let my light shine. He is just looking for a man that's willing to let, to manifest so the earth can have what it's expecting which is the sons of God, I will not get distracted because I know that there is not a shortage and there is no lack. I am fully persuaded that if God said it, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that upholds the promises of God. I love it. Don't panic and don't fear, right? Don't get out of love. I'm in the midst of all, that we're going to end right there. For I'm in the midst of all concern of thee. For these are the days that I have prepared for you. Hallelujah. You are blessed. You are ready and you shall win. These are the days. God, gas prices are $5. These are the days I'll prepare for you. If he prepared them for you, then you already got what you need to pay $5 for gas. Quit tripping. You just distracted. You're getting distracted. It says, You are blessed, you are ready, you shall win. I am the Lord your God. And if you will regard my words, oh, it sounds like if you if you don't become indifferent, if you don't become distracted, that's what he's saying. I will take you farther than you have ever known. Hallelujah. I pray my prayer tonight is that we all go farther than we're ever farther than we will ever known that he would exceed our every hope and our every imagination that we will refuse to be distracted by our own humanity and interfere with the deity of god the kingdom reigns in our lives and we will see everything that god has said amen amen so let me go these announcements real quick all right let me go with these announcements so you know tonight is wednesday right so the next opportunity to get involved with foc is friday morning at 6 30 a.m for champion circle prayer meet us there friday morning 6 30 a.m that's when the champions come out to pray sunday morning at nine join pastor chris in elder valley for worship on her facebook page christian valley worships uh like and love her page and follow then stay tuned though when she ends Jump over on over to Fellowship of Champions for Sunday celebration with Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean at 9:30. You will be blessed by the word they share. And I encourage you, go back and listen to the series of being resurrected. And then go back and listen to the last two Sundays. And then uh, some of you guys that didn't attend the actual uh uh huddle. I will have that message up because you really want to hear Pastor Sean teach about the prodigal son. All right. Then Monday, join Pastor Sean for Strategies for Success at 12 noon, Central Standard Time. Like, love, follow her page as well, her professional and her uh, personal page. Then Tuesday night, we have prayer with one of our prayer uh, warriors. So uh, make sure you join us at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for that. Also, if you're interested in joining the prayer team, please reach out to Mr. Chandra. Uh, Washington. You can uh, message her on Facebook uh, at Shundra Washington if you would like to be a part of the uh, prayer team. Then Wednesdays, you know, we're back here. Uh, Get your teens involved, uh, and then Victory Zone is on demand. All right. The other announcement, you know, FOC. You know what I'm about to say. We have 100% tithers. 100% of our partners tithe and that's why there's no lack in this ministry right when we all do our part there will never be lack in foc so the ways that our partners give is through give PushPay, five push text to give and then our international partner because yes foc is worldwide well, we declare that we are on every continent in the world all right and so they give via FOC Church at gmail.com all right. And so those are our announcements. If you don't know Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior, then you should come home. Oh, the next huddle. Thanks, Dad. The next huddle will be Sunday, July 31st, 11 a.m. So go ahead and put it on your calendars, July 31st at 11 a.m. You got you got almost, almost 60 days, not quite, but you got plenty of time to arrange to get to the huddle. July 31st. All right. If you don't know Jesus, your personal Savior, come home. Invite him into your heart. Lord, tonight I invite you into my heart and my Lord and your person, my personal Savior. I thank you that I'm saved, I'm set free, I'm delivered. And I invite the Holy Spirit to dwell in my heart and to cause your love to be spread abroad that I may know you more all the more. I mean, it's it really that easy? Just say, God, I want you. I want you in my heart and, and, and receive him. I mean, and that's that's what it takes. And then come to church, right? You remember the four commitments, right? Come to every service. Pray in the Holy Spirit an hour a day. Take communion often, right? Oh, commit to not miss a service. We'll just go in order. Read your word daily. Pray in tongues, Holy Spirit, an hour each day. And then take communion more often, all right? Those are our commitments. So thank you guys for hanging out with me. I appreciate you guys. I pray that the word blessed you. Bye-bye and have a great night.